the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live on YouTube as well as on WGUL 860 AM and one of our sister stations in an FM band. We're also streaming live, I believe, on some other social media sites. At least that's what I'm told. And uh, you can always pick up the broadcast through the pods later on. If you missed the show this morning, you can go to drbillradiomd.com and go to the vault pull up the old shows, or you can go to the radio station website, theanswer.com, and you can scroll down to the Sunday shows and uh, pick up my podcast later if you don't make the live show with me. Oh, boy. we got a good show this morning. Can you awake, bud? I'm always with you, Doc. You know you that, buddy. Finger, you got your finger on the buttons? <laughs> and the right buttons, too, surprisingly enough. Well, it's about time. <laughs> We're going to have to color code your fingers and the buttons. So you... <laughs> <laughs> no, looking right, forward so... to it. What you got for us today, Doc? Always fun to listen to you. Well, you know, I want, I want to talk about what de Blasio said. I want to talk about this fight between Ocasio-Cortez and Ted Yoho. Did you hear about that? I did hear about that one. Yeah, you couldn't miss that one. And Nick Sandman, you know, the kid from Covington Catholic up in northern Kentucky who sued the Washington Post and a num- number of other media outlets after they portrayed him as a uh, racist when he was standing there with the Indian beating the drum in front of the Lincoln Memorial. You remember that? Yeah, you think he got all $250 million? I don't know. I, I heard that he got a lot, so he's probably one of the richest 18-year-olds in the country <laughs> right his, now. He's got his college paid for, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Talk about a, 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 a scholarship. Holy moly. Yeah, Dad's pretty proud. Way to go, son. <laughs> <laughs> Mom and I get to retire. Yes, we do. <laughs> so he he announced his victory on Twitter, and he said, uh, on 2 19 I filed defamation lawsuit against Washington Post. Today, I turned 18. Today, I turned 18, and WAPO settled my lawsuit. He's got. Thanks. He's also got suits against NBC and see all the oh, networks. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's got like 15 or 20 more suits to go. Thanks to my family and millions of you who have stood your ground by supporting me. I still have more to do. That was on Friday. Can you believe this kid? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no kidding. Well, you know, he was unjustly uh, criminalized, sort of, if you want to think about it that way. And then he says this to uh, uh, the CEO of Twitter, Jack Dorsey. We have settled with WIPO and CNN. The fight isn't over. Two down, six to go. Don't hold your breath, Jack. (laughs) (laughs) There's a tweet for you, buddy. (laughs) 
And then Sandman's attorney, Lynn Wood, he wrote, for our present to Nick at Sandman to celebrate his 18th birthday, Todd McMurtry and I gave Nicholas the gift of justice. How about that? That's very nice. I like that. Yeah, yeah. And the Washington Post, they say they're pleased that they've been able to reach a mutually agreeable resolution. (laughs) (laughs) What else are they going to say, you know? Of course, they they probably got insurance coming out the Wahoo. Well, I hope they sent that check and a birthday card. That would have been nice. Yeah, that would have been. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, you notice the mainstream press, they're not mentioning any of this. And, uh, you know, it's too bad because I think that part of the problem we're seeing is is not just a, an omission of the truth, but a distortion of the truth. And, uh, you know, I, I've defined truth as having a knowledge and awareness of what motivates us, what's inside of us, and what makes us uh, say and do and think the things that we do. That's truth. Honesty is uh, telling it like you see it. So you look out the north window, uh, Ken, and you see a, a thunderstorm moving in, and you say, ooh, it's going to be a, a bad day today. It's going to be rainy. And I'm looking out the south window, and the sunshine. I say, oh, no, it's a good day to go to the beach. Well, we both have a piece of the truth. It's your perspective. You know, That's right. It, yeah. And and then frankness is saying, well, I don't like your dress or your hair dude stinks or, you know, I don't like your opinions. And, uh, of course, that's that's what uh, Yoho and, and Ocasio-Cartez have gotten into. Only she has now made up stories about him. But, you know, that's the lesson to be learned for Ted Yoho is don't you ever underestimate the fury of a woman. <laughs> the hell hath no fury like a woman who is mad scorned whatever you want to say and she's going to get you and she's got a platform so i think the lesson for all of us is that we have to be very careful about what we say uh, to people and they'll oftentimes try to draw us into a debate or uh, a conversation and then they'll turn it on us at a later time so if you're not sure who you're talking to especially in this very charged political uh, uh, era i would say keep your mouth shut Talk to your friends and those who you trust uh, who share similar views or who are tolerant of your views and will sit and discuss rationally with you. But you got to be careful. You know, I was talking to one of the doctors at the hospital a few weeks ago, and she was uh, railing against Trump. And then uh, she made a comment that Trump didn't wear a mask and that he said that he didn't know he was supposed to wear a mask when he went into this into this, uh, I don't know what it was, GM plant or something. And so I'm trying to look it up, and I can't find it. And later on, she comes back at me and says, no, I didn't say Trump. I said Vice President Pence. And so she's making all these, uh, taking all of these clips out of context and trying to make it into reality that it isn't. And, uh, you know, I think that you have to be careful because people will get the truth twisted and they'll get their own ideologies inter- interface between what's real, what's true, what's accurate, and uh, what they would like to see. And, and, you know, there's a disconnect. If you let your emotions rule your brain, then you're not going to get to the truth. You know, for me, the hardest part of my life has been getting my emotions to the point where they're... Uh, 
at least to within some degree of of uh, of accuracy that they are subordinate to my higher brain, and I think that's important. And you know, I've, I've had this conversation with so many people, and oh my gosh, one of the doctors she said she hates Trump, and then he's a racist, and he's a sexist, and he's a and so, you know, I kept pressing her, what, what makes you say all of this? And she says, everything he says. I said, well, show me one quote. And she came back and she said, I don't care what he said. He's a billionaire and all billionaires are thieves. Okay. And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? You, you're, you're living in a, in a free enterprise society. You're making a living. You're making in six figures. Are you a thief? Well, a lot of people would say doctors have a license to steal, Ken. They would say that. Why? And, I mean, you, you spent many, many years, many, many dollars, and struggled very hard to get where you are. You deserve everything you, you get. Well, In I, this society, I, think, I mean, you work for it. I think that, that that is the mantra of free enterprise and uh, of anybody who has a half a brain and is semi-rational. But you you got to remember, too, that the guy that made a billion dollars, for the most part, like... Uh, uh, like the guy that started uh, uh, Amazon, Jeff Bezos. I mean, he he struggled for a lot of years, and, and he had a good idea, and uh, he had to put in some work. I mean, he had to be there 24-7 for a few years to get it up and going. And, you know, he had a good business model. He planned it out, and he got a good team together. And none of that is easy. That takes time. No, the Walden, takes family, time. Walden family started with one store. <clears throat> yeah, and Sam Walton. He flew his own plane all over the place looking for best sites for his, his stores, and the guy built an empire. You know, he, he built an empire. So you got to put in some work. I mean, yes, there are people who steal, lie, cheat, and a few of them make it to the top. You know, like I say about the Clintons, the cream and the scum both rise to the top. And I, th I think that that's apropos for that family. But for the most part, if you're dishonest uh, in your business dealings, you're not going to get there. If you're stealing, lying, cheating, people are going to figure it out, and they're not going to want to do business with you after a while. That's that's my take on it. I don't know about you, but I certainly don't want to do business with people who are just out to take advantage of me. I want something in return for, for what I'm giving. So at any rate, that's my theory on that, and... You know, I say congratulations to Nick Sandman. What a guy, huh? He stood his ground, and he didn't say a word. He just stood there and he smiled, just being a nice guy. Yeah, that's one. That's one uh, viral message that paid off. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, I think that we have to come back to the idea of good and evil. And you know, me, I'm not a religious guy, but. I think that there are things that work and don't work. And you can go back to George Boole. You probably don't remember George Boole. Don't remember George, no. George was a 19th century uh, Irish mathematician who made it big in the mathematics world with the Boolean logic, Boolean theory. And the Boolean logic is what basically uh, drives computers. It's the idea that things are either one or they're not. So it's a one zero. It's a uh, you know it's a, the the first order, so to speak. And he thought that all existence could be broken down into something that is and something that is not, something that works, something that doesn't, something that's positive, something that's negative, you know, an anode, a cathode. And he developed a whole 
mathematical uh, formula and logistics based on this. And of course, that's what computers are. Either there's an electron that's going through a gate or there isn't. So it is stimulus or no stimulus. And uh, that is very important, especially when we think about good and evil. And there are theologians and philosophers who say, well, that evil is the absence of good. And, you know, that's kind of a nice way to look at it. I'm not sure that uh, I could reason to an all-just and all-knowing, all-loving God who would allow evil to exist. Uh, but apparently that's a, a philosophy that uh, a lot of religions have. But I think that the absence of good, the absence of something positive, leaves room for things that are not good. <laughs> you can call them evil if you want. Well, it leaves a void, so it's, it leaves a void. It's going to be filled, yeah. Yeah, voids like to be filled. You know, things don't like to be empty, especially my coffee cup and my beer stein, <laughs> or my pocketbook. So, yeah, or my pocketbook. Well, I don't have that. The wife's got that. Mine's eternally empty. There's a void. <laughs> so, at any rate, you know, this is my argument against communism and against Marxism, that. They believe, Karl Marx and Engels believe, that the end justifies the means, and I've said this before. So it doesn't matter how you get there. You can lie, cheat, rob, steal, forgery, do whatever you have to do, as long as you implement your socialist and Marxist philosophy. Now, Ken, to me, that, that just doesn't work. And it always ends in disaster. You know, we're seeing that now with, with the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, they are not behaving nicely. Wait a second, I got something here that I think you'll enjoy. Uh, let me see if I can get to it. So the Christian or the Catholic News Agency uh, on July 21st uh, put out a story about uh, Shanxi province in China uh, where people are on government assistance, as a lot of people are right now. You know, everybody's getting a stimulus check, and, and the same thing's happening in China. They're struggling because people can't get back to work like they were before. And so they're getting welfare checks or stimulus checks or whatever you want to call it. And uh, the party has said to these people who are Catholics that you have to take down all your images of Jesus and Mother Mary and anything to do with Catholicism and replace them with pictures of Chairman Mao and President Xi Jinping. So they're saying, if you want our help, you have to believe our religion and our philosophy. Do you think that could happen here, Ken? Um, well, not not today, but in the future, but it could. In the future, it, yes. it sure could. Yeah. And so, you know, good has to be very, very strong to stand up to evil and to to say to these people, you don't have the right to tell me what I believe. I mean, you have the right to tell me that I can't do certain things or act on my beliefs that are harmful to others, and I'm I'm, I'm okay with that. And, you know, I'm not a big believer in much of anything except you and the radio station and Barb and my wife. <laughs> well, as long as you have law and order and a strong constitution and you respect that constitution, well, you should be okay. Well, the other thing, too, is as people say, well, the Koran is the final word of the last word of, of God through the prophet Muhammad. And other people say, well, the New Testament is the is the actual word of, of Christ uh, as he spoke to his disciples. 
and his apostles and other people say, well, you know, this book or that book is more sacred than this book or that book. But, you know, the only document that is ultimately ultra sacred is the Constitution of the United States right. because it protects all the other documents. That's right. Exactly. that. It, it allows them to exist. And uh, if you don't get that, then the rest of your day is not going to be very happy. Mm. Yes, that's for sure. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the Communist Party is telling these people, if you want our assistance, you got to get rid of your religious icons and put up Chairman Mao. And you haven't been to China, I don't think, Ken. I don't no, know. No, I have you. not. I don't have no intention of going, to tell you the truth. Now, everywhere you go in public, every public place, every, I mean, every public building, every public square, there's a picture of Chairman Mao. You know, they've made a god out of this man. Now, Like North Korea. Yeah, but, you know, the the educated people in China, they realize he's not a god, that he's just a man. And I was having a discussion with our our um, tour guide when we were in uh, Xi'an, and he said, as I said, that Mao was a good military leader, but he didn't know how to rule. He wasn't much of an administrator. His people were starving in the 50s and uh, rioting in the 60s, and, you know, it was a, it was a mess. And uh, he was a mass murderer. Uh, but, uh, you know, they love him because they think that he kicked the Japanese out and brought their country together. But here's the real story. The real story is that we helped them kick the Japanese out because we fought with the Chinese in China during World War II. They were losing and, that one until we showed up, pretty much. Well, you know, they were having trouble, that's for sure. Yeah. And they certainly needed our help and Great Britain's help, and uh, we supplied that. So... Of course, I don't think that they put that in their history books, but I may be wrong. I don't know. I haven't read the Chinese history books that the kids are reading over there. So the only religions in China that uh, that you can uh, be a part of without having to worry about the Communist Party are the state-sanctioned Protestant sects. I don't think they like the Catholics. I don't know why not. I mean, I grew up Catholic, I guess. I understand some of the re- reasons. <laughs> Maybe it's the paddles. It was the paddles with the nuns. It was Maybe the paddles was... <laughs> and the sexual abuse. And, you know, oh gosh, Sister Koska throwing her dictionary at us in the fourth grade. Fortunately, we were big enough to duck at that. So- you did not uh, mess with the nuns. You did. You, no, you no. did not mess with the nuns. No, don't give the nuns a hard time. You you will get whacked. You would, you, and without a second thought. Yeah. Yes. And then then it's and then the parents would congratulate the nun for doing that. Oh, yeah. That's a yeah, beat the little SOB. If he needed that, that's what you should have done, yeah. And uh, Well, I don't know if I needed it or not, but God love them. <laughs> they did their best. Yeah. So what happened in heaven anyway? What's the story? What? Everybody makes Lucifer out to be this bad guy uh, because he defied God. He, he said, God, what makes you so much better than me? Why aren't we all equal? And isn't that what a lot of these people on the left are yelling for, that we should all be equal? Or am I getting something wrong here? Uh, and I think so, yeah. I, th- I think that that's the bottom Everybody's line. Everybody deserves the same break, I guess, I'm in life and should uh, make the same amount of money. I don't know. I'm I'm confused. Just to, It's information overload these days. It, it is. Yeah. But, you know, you got to remember, Lucifer just didn't want to stop at being equal to God. He wanted to take God's place. Well, you know, well, uh, no, if you, yeah, if you challenge Dad in his own house— <laughs> He's going to get mad. <laughs> he, he, it didn't cool. go well with me. I know that. 
No, it you know it didn't go well with me either, and I finally figured out I got to get out of this house or this guy's going to kill me. <laughs> Fortunately, he didn't own a gun, but I yeah. did. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he dad, made a mistake. He dad left. Me, yeah, right. Yeah, he bought me guns when I was a kid and taught me how to shoot. But uh, I never threatened him that way. No, I mm. wouldn't do that to my father. So, so uh, Michael and. Uh, Gabriel and Raphael and all the other angels, I guess they ganged up on uh, Lucifer and all the bad angels. And I didn't know there were only four angels that are mentioned in the in the Bible, the Old and New Testament. But uh, there's a whole mythology that's grown up around the uh, Christian angels and, and Lucifer, the fallen angel. And I guess the, the, uh, the message here is pride. Pride cometh before the fall. And I see these people on the left and, you know, they don't just want equality. They want to take over. So they want to be the gods. And the redistribution of power means all in their hands. And we don't like that. That's not what America is about. I don't think. I may be wrong, but I think that we're about uh, sharing power. And, and even the president, who at the beginning of the pandemic said that he had the authority to dictate to the states, realize that he doesn't and that he has to share power with the governors in the local jurisdictions. And the federal government has actually put out uh, guidelines and they have said that you need to listen to your local and state authorities in the areas where you're, where you're living because they have more information about what's going on in your state and in your jurisdiction. And that's the way it should be. We should have a sharing of power. That's what, makes the, that's what makes the Electoral College so important. <clears throat> well, you know, I'm, I'm, I kind of laugh when, when people say they want to get rid of the Electoral no, College. No, 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 no. Well, you, you know, Ken, think about it. If you passed an amendment in Congress or passed a, a, a motion for an amendment and it went out to 37 states, do you think, or, or went out to all 50 states, do you think 37 states would sign that? No, I do not. No, heck no. I no. mean, you, you, you've got the majority of the population in five or ten states. And why on earth, if you're a little state like Kentucky or Arkansas or Montana, would you want to give up your electoral college votes? Well, I you mean, might as well just surrender. I mean, if you're going to get rid of yeah. you just surrender because you've got no power now. That's the only power they have, the smaller states. That and, and the Senate. And, of yes. course, the left would love to overthrow the uh, – Two, two senators per state as well. They want a populist government, and then you get some people at the top who are highly manipulative, and they control the press. And if you don't believe that this happens in what's called quote-unquote democracies, all you got to do is go to Canada and watch the news. It is so censored. It is unbelievable how little reality uh, they get about our politics and our political system. And it's just a shame because, you know, they're they're nice people. They're bright people. I mean, they should be allowed to have the same information that we have, uh, but they don't, and they, they can't. They can't get it. I guess if you buy premium TV in some jurisdictions and locations, you can get Fox News, but, you know, they have hate speech laws and all kinds of stuff that restrict you from... Uh, getting the whole story. I didn't know that about Canada. Yes. And, uh, you know, God love the Canadians. They're nice people. They're very, very decent and kind and respectful. Not that they don't have crime or that they don't have evil. Of course they do everywhere. Everybody does. But uh, they're, they're, uh, they're actually pretty hamstrung by their 
by their government. And they don't really have a sense of attachment to their government in Ottawa. They talk about Ottawa as if it's a foreign country. And we talk about Washington, D.C. like it's ours. And if we don't like what's going on, we're going to march up there and take it back. And they would never think of that. Well, they have, there has been talk about Canada breaking itself up so in the past a couple of well, years, actually. Well, they're a confederation, and Quebec has uh, threatened to leave. But uh, I don't think that most Quebecis uh, are for that because they realize there's strength and, and unity there. <clears throat> and it would be hard for them to carve out a, a spot for themselves. They're not exactly landlocked. They've, they've got uh, open water on the north. But uh, having that port uh, of Quebec City open and turning it into a major exporting market would be kind of tough, in my opinion. It's cold up there, and that, that, that water freezes over. So, Is, it, is the French the official language of Quebec? Yes, it is. It is. And I they, thought so, yeah. Canada is a bilingual country. They uh, have everything both in French and English. So when you get a napkin, it also says serviette, which is a napkin in, uh, in French and in Spanish and Italian. I don't know where serviette came from, but I guess it comes from service. And along with service, you get a little towel. So there you go. <laughs> uh, but uh, <clears throat> it is. And, you know, it's, it's, it's also uh, a uh, sort of a doctored up philosophy that the French want to keep their own culture in, in French-speaking Quebec. A lot of the French Quebecis don't want to keep that culture, but if that's all you hear from infancy, then that's what you think is the right thing to do. Well, I'm going to grab, uh, well, I'm going to sit here and drink my coffee because I've already got some, but I'm going to let Ken go to the bathroom because I know his bladder is really small. <laughs> Thank we'll you, be right. We'll be right back. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD, and if you're watching me on Facebook and other social media outlets, you'll get to see me sit here and drink my coffee. I'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. South Texas bracing for flooding now after Hannah roared ashore yesterday from the Gulf of Mexico as a Category 1 storm, bringing winds, rain, and storm surge. The National Hurricane Center says the first big storm of the 2020 Atlantic season made landfall twice yesterday afternoon within the span of a little over an hour. Three medium-sized moving trucks have left the U.S. consulate in southwest China today as its impending closure draws a steady stream of onlookers for the second straight day. Police kept a close watch as people stopped to take photos, jamming a large sidewalk busy with shoppers and families with strollers on a sunny day in Shenggu City. And the late Congressman John Lewis will cross Selma's Edmund Pettus Bridge for the final time today as remembrances continue for the civil rights icon. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of CanCare, 727 384 
727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical Home of Can Care Clinic offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an in-office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. When it's time for your appointment, type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser, doxy.me forward slash Bay Area Med. A cell phone works well and is all you really need. For computers, you need a web camera and speakers. We'll give you this address when you call for your appointment. We accept most insurances and travel insurances. Canadians and visitors, please call your travel insurance company for an authorization number prior to the visit. Co-pays and deductibles apply. Self-pay rates are available. Just ask. We accept credit cards, PayPal, and Stripe. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. Balance of nature is fruits and vegetables in a capsule. Changing the world one life at a time. I've always been a health nut. And I've been taking the balance of nature, and I do feel better. I feel a lot stronger now, and in fact, I'm starting to do a little bit of exercises. I find that I have more energy, and I just have a feeling of well-being. I tell everyone about this. Some people feel it right away. Some people don't, but don't give up. Keep at it, and you Mm -hmm. will feel better. Don't wait to see what getting over 10 servings of whole fruits and vegetables every day can do for you. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 800-246-8751. That's 800-246-8751. Or by going to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code RESULTS. Take AM860 The Answer with you wherever you go with our mobile app, TheAnswerTampa.com, Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, and at Radio.com. Hi, it's Hugh Hewitt. I am back inside the Beltway bringing you all the news you need, the analysis you want, all of it, every Monday morning, and this one is no exception. I'll be there. I'm back. Thanks to Kurt Schlichter for sitting in for me for vacation. Catch me on the next Hugh Hewitt Show. At 6 on AM 860, the answer. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. Today, rather cloudy with a thunderstorm in spots for the afternoon, high reaching 90. A shower or thunderstorm in spots for the evening, otherwise, turning out to be partly to mostly cloudy for the night. Low tonight, 76. Tomorrow, a mix of clouds with a shower or thunderstorm around, high 90. Cloudy most of the night with a low 79. Thunderstorm in spots for Tuesday, otherwise, some sun, high 91. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Kevin Snyder for AM860, The Answer. And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill, little Santana. Got to change those evil ways, baby. Octavio, Ocasio-Cortez, rather not Octavio, Ocasio-Cortez and her evil ways, uh, putting uh, her own self-interest above the truth and honesty. Oh, my so what are we talking about today? Well, we're talking about a little bit of everything, good and evil. 
an old Chinese, an old Cherokee told his grandson, my son, there's a battle between two wolves inside all of us. One is evil. It is angry, jealous, greedy, resentful, inferior. It lies and it has a big ego. The other is good. It's joyous, peaceful, loving, hopeful. It's humble. It's kind. And it tells the truth. The boy thought about it and asked, grandfather, which wolf wins? And the old man quietly replied, the one you feed. So feed your good side and try to turn off those bad thoughts and those uh, unpleasant emotions that drive us to do stupid things. You'll never get rich spiritually. You'll never find happiness emotionally if you're always pursuing things that are of no value. <clears throat> that doesn't mean don't pursue money. It just means, and, and not to say that it's wrong to be rich, but that if that's why you get out of bed in the morning, if you make money your God, you're going to have a miserable life because you'll never be able to completely satisfy them. You can't feed that, that God enough. It always wants more. How's that sound? Is that a good Sunday sermon? Perfect, Doc. Couldn't have said it better myself. Money is not everything. It, it helps you get through life, certainly. But you can't yeah, live for it. it. There's much more important things than money. It's, it's a tool. You know, it's it's the most malleable of all tools. You can shape it into anything you want. Good, bad, hammers, uh, airplane tickets, homes, booze, whatever you want, you can shape it and turn it into that. So it, it is a tool and it has a good place. It has a good use. It's the it's the lifeblood of an economy. That's what flows through us. And, uh, you know, I got to say that for all of the wrangling and uh, discord that's going on in Washington, D.C., they have wisely pumped out money to keep everything up and running. You know, what happened in, in 1929 is, is the economic theories were quite different than Ken, and they basically just turned off the spigot. Banks wouldn't lend money. Federal government said, we're not going to print. Uh, we're not going to sell any treasury notes. Uh, nobody wanted to buy them anyway. <clears throat> and uh, they couldn't understand that this is just a big circle. You know, I pay you so you can pay him so he can pay them so they can pay me. That's how it works. It just goes around in a circle. So and, at any rate, and we ended up with the depression, of course, in case folks yeah, didn't yeah, realize but, that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what brought it out of what brought the world out of the Great Depression was uh, this European Central Bank started lending the Germans money to rebuild their economy. And the, the Nazis were uh, implementing. Uh, uh, infrastructure changes, building the Autobahn and uh, rebuilding their airports and their their sewage lines and all that. And at the same time, they were sneakily rebuilding their military too. But uh, so the central banks like the Romanian bank, they lent the uh, Germans money. And that's what started getting things flowing again. And of course, then when Hitler attacked in 39, we started helping the British. And so we started producing goods again because we had to help the British out. They needed stuff. Did you know that we got the Virgin Islands during World War II? I did not know that. I didn't know that either. Goodbye, though. <laughs> yeah, well, it was it was part of that Lend-Lease thing. Oh, know? they had to lend. Okay, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah you know, the Lend-Lease, they, uh, they lent us, we leased them, or they leased us the islands, and we lent them equipment. And, uh, you know, Roosevelt made it sound like it was, uh, you know, just a 
kind of a, we're helping each other temporarily. But then at the end of the war, I guess, I guess that's what happened is that uh, the British said, I keep the islands and we won't pay you back. Yeah. That's why we I have the American Virgin Islands and the British Virgin Islands to this day. Yeah. 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 Now it all makes sense. Doc. Yeah. <laughs> My next cruise makes perfect sense now. <laughs> Charlotte and Molly, here we come. And you can go there without a passport. That's right. Yeah. I don't know if you can go to the British Virgin Islands without a passport, but uh, if you get down there, let me know. Sure, will. Yeah. Think, so thinking about that again, as a matter of fact. So do you have do you have any sympathy for the devil? I mean, you know, do you, or do you think he just let his pride get out of hand, and that's that's what happens when you uh, when you when you do that when you put pride and greed and uh, lust for power ahead of everything else. All actions have consequences, and that's the consequence he got. And he's not the only person that's fallen into that trap. You know that. There's a lot of people throughout history who have done the same thing and ended up miserable and had terrible ends living in their own hells. So I guess there's a lesson to be learned there. And he, whether it's real or not, it's a, you know, it's a good allegory. It's a good, it's a good parable. It's a good uh, lesson for all of us to learn. What Clint Eastwood say, man's got to know his limitations. <laughs> That's right, exactly. That's right. And uh, there are a lot of good quotes that are going around. But uh, I think that those that are meaningful are those that remind us that we are not the beginning and the end. We're just in the middle somewhere. And that doesn't mean that I'm a big believer in and right and wrong and good and evil. I think there are, are things that work and things that don't. And if there is good, then evil is the absence of that good. And that's that's what I have to say about it. And I think that we're we're in pretty good shape overall. And we got to stand up and fight, though. We have to fight this uh, left wing lunacy that's going on. You know a little bit about Karl Marx. Uh, he was born in 1818 and died in 1883. So he's a nineteenth century guy. A lot of things happened in the nineteenth century. A lot of things. And he was mixed breed like me. His father was a Jew and his mother was a Christian. And uh, his father eventually converted to Christianity uh, to fit in because there was an anti-Semitic movement in the late, uh, in the middle and late 18th century, uh, or 19th century rather. And so uh, he pretty much had the same upbringing that I did. Only I broke away from my parents' socialist uh, philosophies. And he was uh, an interesting guy. You know, he got kicked out of uh, Germany eventually. He ended up in in England. They took him in, and they've had a love for that man ever since. And the English have really had to struggle hard not to become a a socialist, uh, completely socialist country. Maggie Thatcher, you know, she tried to dismantle and pretty much dismantled Well, not pretty much. I'll take that back. She dismantled to a certain degree the social welfare system and the social health care, the government run medicine uh, system in in Great Britain. And there is now room for private practitioners, although there aren't many because most people can't afford it. But uh, I was talking with with a guy at a meeting years ago. He was an echocardiographer from from London. And he said he made more money in one day reading echoes at a private hospital than he did 
the other five days of the week reading at the uh, public at the National Health Service Hospital, <laughs> the King and the King's Crossings Hospital. So, um, uh, you know, I I don't know. I guess that we all deserve to be treated with some kindness and respect and and we all need food and clothing, shelter, health care and all that. And as long as you're contributing to society, I don't have a problem with that unless you have some psychological, mental, physical problems that prevent you from uh, uh, functioning as a productive member of society. But I think that for the most part, if you're going to get something, you got to give something. I may be wrong about that. <clears throat> but uh, Karl Marx thought that capitalism was inherently evil, that it didn't work and that it just favored the wealthy and the bourgeoisie, as he called them, which actually just meant the middle class. But uh, the middle class in the Middle Ages had become the upper middle class by the 19th century. And so he went after the upper middle class and the ruling class. The ruling class was on its way out anyway. But, uh, you know, a lot of these philosophers, they don't lead, they follow. They go uh, with the flow and then they enhance it and build on it. So there was already movements to get rid of the the um, royalty throughout Europe and uh, a lot of the countries had already somewhat dismantled their royalties or their monarchs. Certainly England was the leader in, in reigning in the monarchy. And uh, that started back with the Magna Carta back there with King John and uh, shortly after, you know, a century or two after William the Conqueror had come in and said, all of England belongs to me. And of course, the nobles and the earls and the other uh, lorded people, they said, wait a minute, <laughs> wait, that ain't going to work. If you want our loyalty, you got to share it with us. And France had and done it, away with their royalty by then, certainly. Well, no, they had reinstituted it. Did they bring it back again? They did. They brought it back because after Napoleon's defeat at Waterloo in 1815, the country was again in chaos. So they brought back the monarchy and uh, they evolved into a constitutional uh, monarchy, a parliamentary monarchy, if you will. But the English had already had already been there for a few centuries. You know, they had really put the hammer on the they'd really put the uh, the clamp down on on the royalty and uh, they would let them run amok somewhat, but uh, they wouldn't let them do anything they wanted. Did you know that George the Third, you know, George Washington versus George the Third of England, you know, mm -hmm. our Revolutionary War. Right. Do you know that he was out campaigning? For people he wanted to be elected to the House of Lords and the House of Commons. No kidding. He was lobbying, was he? Yeah, all right. He, he was campaigning. <laughs> so he would run into a men's haberdashery or, you know, uh, uh, um, an upper scale men's saloon and he, he'd blurt out, you know, vote for Sir Edmonton for the House or from the, for the uh, House of Lords from Edinburgh or whatever. And <clears throat> people called him Crazy George. But he was actually a pretty bright guy. Well, I imagine in that day, certainly you were running the king and tells you to vote for somebody. You're probably going to think about it. Well, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it, it, it would it would certainly make sense to use your your station to exert some political power so that you can have the legislation enacted that you think is appropriate for the times and the people. And uh, that's what he did. And he, you know, we think of royalty in England at that time that they were, you know, being carted around with uh, guards and everything. 
I mean, he had a carriage. Everybody knew his carriage. It was a nice carriage, but I mean, he was all over London in his carriage and he would uh, talk to people and uh, he was actually interested in, in farming and science and husbandry. And he got so interested in farming that they called him Farmer George. The really? Nicknamed him Farmer George. <laughs> and when we were in London, uh, we were riding around on one of these tour buses and, you know, we passed uh, statues of King so-and-so and King so-and-so. And then about three blocks away from Trafalgar Square, which is sort of the heart of London, that's where Wellington and Nelson are up on statues way up for, for defeating the French for the final time. And the French haven't really challenged the English since then. <clears throat> it was about three blocks away in a little triangular square where three streets meet. There's George the Third, and the bus driver tour guide says, "And there's our crazy King George the Third. We keep him away from Trafalgar Square because we don't want him to influence people the wrong way." So uh, that's how they looked at him. At any rate, Queen doesn't do that nowadays. Does she she doesn't go out and lobby for different uh, politicians. I don't you think know, she, I, I don't know though. I'm not there. I don't think that that they do that much. She has been more. I, I think that her personality is more to work behind the scenes. And you might not have known this, but in World War II, she was drafted into the army, and she was a mechanic. She worked on jeeps. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, she she did. And you know, years ago when she was still out and about, she was out in one of their properties in, out in the country. And her car broke down, or her Jeep, or whatever. And uh, her, of course, they got walkie-talkies and all that. And so her, her uh, keeper, her her manservant, whatever you want to call him, her CIA or Secret Service guy, called her and said, "Are you okay?" And she says, "Oh yeah, the car just broke down." He said, "Well, you want me to send somebody out to fix it?" She says, "No, I'm a mechanic. I'll fix my own damn car." <laughs> Got myself, a, got myself a spanner. I'm ready to go. That's right. I've got tools. And I'll, you know, it's just, you know, the, the fan belt's loose. I'll fix it. I got an extra one. Oh, great. So, uh, I, you know, I, I think that uh, we have to take all this into account. Now, when you look at somebody like Karl Marx, uh, who obviously let his pride get the best of him because he wanted to be the king. You know, he wanted uh, socialism, communism to be the, the the way for all people, and and you know, it's a, it's a good it, it's a good idea to say we want everybody to have have pretty much the same. I mean, you know, it sounds really good on paper, don't you think? I mean, it sounds great. It sounds like okay. Well, why can't we all be the same? Well, can you know and I know that that's not human nature, and that no matter what society you're in, there's always going to be those who will succeed and, and, and get ahead. It takes away incentive. It takes away incentive. And that's what George Washington said about slavery. He said, not only is it uh, inhuman, but it also, you don't have any, any room to move up. There's a glass ceiling. Once you get to the top, uh, once you get to the best bunk in the bunkhouse, there's nowhere to go. And that's one of the arguments he had for ending slavery which the left, I don't think the uh, Antifa people and the uh, Black Lives Matter, I don't think they understand that this is a process and not an event, and that it is an, an evolution, an evolution of government, an evolution of uh, morality, and an evolution of social order. 
And there's nothing new under the sun. You know, the debates we're having now are the same debates they had at the Constitutional Convention 200-plus years ago. Who's going to vote? Who's a citizen? Uh, what about slavery? Uh, how are we going to raise taxes? How much power does the state have? How much power does the federal government have? How are we going to keep the little states in, in the union? How, how are we going to keep the union from falling apart? They're going to have to have an equal voice at some level. And all these things are, are things that, uh, that we're still debating now. And, you know, it just amazes me when people say, well, the Constitution has no meaning. That's a dead document. That's from 250 years ago. They're all exactly the same arguments. Have you noticed that, Ken? They are exactly the same arguments then as now. That's right. Same arguments we had in the 50s, 60s. I mean, it just keeps on going. Yeah, and, and you know. But we get a little better every time, I think. Well, I hope so. I know that I'm better. Now, the wife may not agree, but I think so. <laughs> I don't know how your wife feels about you, but. <laughs> well, we won't go there. <laughs> God love her. <laughs> so, so Karl Marx, he, uh, he comes up with this philosophy, uh, which is not new. And uh, he studied under some of the great philosophers of the day and Hegel and people like that influenced him, I'm sure. And uh, he married, actually married into a well-to-do family. You know, it always amazes me that these guys that come up with these ideas for helping the uh, commoners are from, usually from better-to-do families. And I don't know, what is it? What's driving these people? It's like the Hollywood people. Why, after they make all this money, all of a sudden, do they want to turn around and tell the rest of us not to make a lot of money? Have you figured that out? I don't know. I, it doesn't I, I make a lot of sense, does it? It doesn't make sense. You know, it's it's kind of like, I guess maybe some of them have struggled and some of them, but a lot of it is just the enculturation. And when you uh, when you go to acting school, when you, when you major in, in theater, uh, you learn to work in a troupe. And people think that they're, you know, that they're uh, fighter pilots, but they're not. They're, they're bomber crews, and if they don't work well together, the, the uh, directors don't want them. They don't want to use them. So you have to get into the fold, so to speak, and I guess that they see that as a, that socialization as a, a model for all of society, that we need to work together and share and all that. <clears throat> of course, I don't see any of those guys putting their money out to, to help uh, the poor folks in our neighborhood here, I may be wrong, but that's that's just my take on it. So why is it that these people who come from well-to-do families and households feel the need to right the social injustices? Did they watch uh, did they watch the Lone Ranger too much or what as kids? you know I, I, I never I never did understand that. But, I mean, I, look, I understand helping people because that's what I do for a living. I'm a doctor, and I understand the need to help people get up. You know, if they've fallen down, we want to help them get up and help them get going again. But that doesn't mean an endless uh, uh, flow of, of free money. I don't think it should. Ain't nothing free anyway. Somewhere you got to pay for it. And so Karl Marx, he studied all these different philosophers and these different economists uh, and uh, like Adam Smith and James Mill and, and all these guys that were preaching different 
are teaching different theories of, of society and socialization and uh, e economics uh, and political economies and how things should be structured. And, and he believed that, uh, that the working class should be one and that they should rise up and throw off the shackles of the mean old business owners, the capitalists, the free enterprisers. Uh, but uh, you know what? If you look at what happened in Russia and in China before some form of capitalism, some form of free market enterprise took over, it, I mean, the, you know, the, there were jobs that the government thought were of value. So you did what the government wanted you to do. And I heard that complaint from one of the kids in, uh, in China when we were on the train. We, Zeke and I were headed out to the country to uh, visit a, a mountain that was a national park. And one kid was lamenting that he didn't have a choice. You know, he, he was kind of shoehorned into the, the uh, major that he had in college. And then he had to go and work where there was a job because there were no jobs. And he was missing his family and was lonely and he was depressed and upset so that he actually didn't feel that he had a choice. And I think that's probably true with a lot of people in, in China, the, the, the young generation that they, especially if they choose a technical or a professional uh, major. But uh, now that's not uncommon in the, in the Oriental culture. That's not just communism. You know, in Korea, if you don't make your grades to get into a certain level of professional school, then you're relegated to the next level down and, and the positions close quickly. And if you goof off or if you stay out of here, then you're, you've lost it. So my wife's nephew, he ended up as a geology, geology major and geologist, although he didn't want to do that, but it's a job because now he can be a surveyor, or do other work like that. So that's the way that, that things are structured in the world. And that's not the way that we work. And certainly, I don't want to live under communism. And we need to resist as strongly as we can people like Ocasio-Cortez and the left wing of the Democratic Party. And we need to stand up to them and say, you know what? I'm not going to be intimidated. Uh, I'm going to stand my ground. And you're not going to tell me that I'm evil for wanting to secede, succeed, success, secede succeed. Am I saying it right? Succeed. That's it. And, uh, that that's a good thing that gets us off of our butts, gets us out of bed in the morning. We have to have a purpose in life when we get up and we go to work or we go to whatever we do for what we do to get through the day. And we hopefully will put in that extra effort so we can get ahead. That's what continues to improve the human lot. And that's my little sermon for this morning. Well, Ken, I'm running out of breath here, bud. I think, I'm sorry. I think the best thing we can do here is to uh, be grateful for what we have and let's keep it and let's not be intimidated. And Ted Yoho, he resigned from one of the organizations that he was a board member of because of the uh, attack by Ocasio-Cortez saying that he dissed her on the steps of the, of the Capitol building, although he did not. He denies that. He said he didn't say anything derogatory towards her. He was just talking about her philosophy and that he didn't appreciate that. But, you know, he, he bit and she got him and she said, I'm not done with you yet, Ted. And she got up on the 
House floor and really laid into him and told a bunch of lies. And uh, so lying is not good. It's not good. But I guess that's the way some people work. Looks like we're getting to the end of the show here, bud. 30 seconds we got to go. And why don't you just put on some music and I will just sit here and smooth on out. If you got some music. What? <laughs> I hear people in the background. All right. See you guys next week. Love everybody. Well.